Hey guys, we're back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have an interesting chat. Uh, We're talking with uh, three former college athletes, and um, they actually all went to high school, I believe, with John, right? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, we're going to talk to them about how their time management skills like uh, played a role in their ability to be an effective student and an athlete in college and how that time in school has also paved the way for their uh, careers. And of course, uh, it wouldn't be a black box podcast episode without a little bit of investing. So we'll talk a little bit about some dollars and cents as usual. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's going to be a good one. All right. Let's dive into it. Mm hmm. All right, boys, thank you for coming on, you know, taking the time to come chat. Why don't you, uh, you know, go in order, maybe quickly tell a little bit about yourselves and what you're up to. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Mike, Mike Delphi. Um, I just finished up five years at Northeastern in May and started a job at a nonprofit organization called Playworks in September where we teach social and emotional learning through play. So I'm kind of like a gym teacher, kind of not, didn't really go through the process of becoming a teacher yet, but that will hopefully be in the future. Um, ran track and field there for a little while. And uh, yeah. How long did you, doing. Never mind. I'll ask questions after you guys go through. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, JP, thanks for having us on here, and I'm Ed. Pleasure being here, boys. Happy to do this. Um, my name is Matt Catalano. I went to Bryan University for four years, graduated with bachelor's uh, science in data science. Uh, I was working for Mount Sinai Hospital uh, for about nine months, and now I'm working for a uh, data analytics company. That's fine. Yeah. And uh, I'm Brian Valadon. I went to Indiana University for first two years of college, and then I finished up my degree at University of Tampa for the last three years. Um, living at home right now. I'm actually coaching a swim team, a club USA swimming team, trying to find a better full-time job, but still making money. So that's all that matters right now. Okay, so I guess just quick overview. Mike, you already mentioned you did track. Matt, you did volleyball, men's volleyball. And Brian, you did swimming, right? Yes, sir. So basically, we're going to kind of tapered the episode around that but you know we'll get into some other stuff but i guess first thing is how do you think you know the schedule of being an athlete and having like more strict timelines how do you think that affected you and like helped you learn things for the real world or do you think maybe it didn't was it not realistic at all uh i mean i would say the the first thing that jumped out to me when you said that was just like the schedule of being able to get up early grind through the day every day, have like a rigorous schedule that you know you're just going to be going through Monday through Friday. And, you know, that was just the biggest thing for me that got me ready for the real world was just getting up early, getting ready for the grind and being able to just push through every day. I feel like if you don't 
Yeah. They're like, what's up? Were you, no, I was going to say, I feel like if you have to get up early and don't have that option, it's good yeah. because most college students, I feel like myself included, when I wasn't having a reason to be up early or no class, I was just sleeping. Yeah. I, I would go to bed late, just like booing and whatever, and then I'd wake up at like yeah, 10, definitely. 11 when now I got to be waking up much earlier. Yeah, getting up. I mean, definitely, yeah, you had no option. It was uh, ready to go at 6.30. And for me, being ready to go was, you know, running to wherever my workout was. So that was like two or three miles every morning to get to my workout. Then warm up, stretch out, do whatever I got to do. And then be ready on the start line for my workout at 6.30. Oh, my gosh. So your run there was the one. It was like the uh, student athlete, student comes first. And that was never, like, really true. Even at, like, a school I went to, like, that was, like, preaching their academics. Like, my schedule was based around my practice. I couldn't really have a class before 10, 30, 11 o'clock if I wanted to be able to do things to, like, have a productive day. Like, after practice, just, like, shower and eat was something that was just, like, not really thrown into my schedule because it was so rushed. And then I'd just be grinding through my day, basically running on like a banana and orange juice, you know? I feel like like the grind. I feel like when you started bringing that up, both Matt and Brian, I could see your reaction. You kind of had the same thing. Like you definitely relate to that. They don't really prioritize you. It's all just a lie. Like we talked about all the stuff. The system is just like, you're like a product of NCA, you know? Yeah. 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 And they're just. You're a dollar number to them. Yeah, for real. Yeah. yeah. To go off your original question is like time management skills are definitely honed because of getting up and having your whole day structured. Uh, it definitely helped me because I would say without athletics, I wouldn't be as good as I am now, but I still feel like I could be better with my time management skills. But I'm speaking for myself now without the sport, it's like without structure like waking up like mike said early in the morning getting your day started like winning the morning winning the day kind of mentality you don't really like like without that it's 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 just like i'm in a limbo sometimes so it's weird i miss it and when i was in it it was like damn this sucks but now that i don't have it i'm like what do i do it kind of feels strange because you were also doing that for mad long like you started swimming Mm -hmm. super young competitively and then then once you stop it's like all you ever knew was that Exactly. I like. I have to separate Brian the swimmer yeah. from the, like Brian the, the person who's yeah. gonna like who's not swimming anymore. Who's gonna be like has to get a job or not has to. That's what they would tell us. But like, you know what I mean? Like, nah, it's nah. Just, I know. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 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 a lot. But like having to accept the reality that was, that's it's hard to accept because it ain't really that great. Like in the modern nah, society. No. Nah. No, no, no. Mike, making money is the nicest part, and then that's that's where it ends, pretty much. Yeah, and I know, like, I de- can't say that I don't, like, put money at a certain priority, because I definitely do, but imagine the idea if we didn't actually have to. Like, there's totally a reality where it just ain't like that. Like, they yeah, don't yeah. value dollars over us. We're the that's only crazy. species that pays money to live on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's true. It makes no sense. Oh my gosh. Yo, I have a follow-up question. Yeah. Like what what did your 
coaches in your school tell you like your plan was after college? Like, did they like, were they involved in helping you like with a job in some way or not really? That's a great question. We had like kind of just like high school, like academic support. And it was tailored to your specific team. Like there would be one person who would help a certain group. Like, for example, we had one for our track and field team. And she would, she would like guide us. It was more of like for your major, not really your career path. You know, every school kind of had, I think, a place that you would go to and you could work on your career. They didn't really have anything specifically. Our coaches, no. I had three different coaches in three years, so I never really even got to any conversations with them like that. Uh, I don't know if Brian has anything to speak on that or Matt. Yeah, I would say like they at Indiana, I didn't really get to that point where it was like your life after college because I transferred after my sophomore year. But at Tampa, I think they did a really good job with like my degree like my uh, the department I was in sport management and because I had an internship advisor and then I also had the head of the department who like they constantly sell it, send us like email blasts with like volunteer internship or job opportunities and they're constantly like putting that in the in your head of like what you're gonna do and what job you want to do after college but on the sure. coach's side I never really had a coach that was like hey like this is what you should do, or this is how we're going to like, this is like the best route for you to go after college. I never had a coach at Indiana or Tampa that was like really helping with like my career outside of the sport or my career. That's completely separate from sport. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Coach would always just kind of send you to the career advisor. Do you think that was a reason why you left Indiana? If you're allowed to say that. Like, were you not happy uh, with yeah, the situation? No, I, yeah, I have a, I could say so much, but then I can also can, like keep it really quick is like the biggest thing for me was I knew I wasn't going to be go professional in swimming and like, I mean, you were at one now. of the top swimming programs in the country. I mean, yeah, how much, but there, what were, there was still some distance that you couldn't get to like, yeah, like there's levels to it. Like people, like there's guys that play football at Alabama and they're really good, but they'll never go to the NFL. Yeah. You're right. Like, that's, I guess. that's like, that's like how it is. It's like, I was there. Like, yeah, I was, when I went to Indiana, I was just normal. Like, yeah, to Brewster swimmers, I was fast. Gotcha. Yeah, like, yeah. When I go to Indiana, I'm like, just like anyone else. So there was levels to it. And the reason I left is because I was like Mike said before is I was putting so much into swimming because that's what they said. They're like, Oh, you need to do it on school, but also you need to perform. And I was trying to perform so hard that like school was lacking. Like, I can say exactly, I had a yeah. 1.7 GPA my freshman year first semester. Like I failed a class. I got a bunch of bad grades. Yeah. And I was like, what I realized, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get a job after college. Like I need to focus on my career and my life, not For trying sure. to like please these coaches who just see me as points or a time or a number. That's why I left. You got to prioritize yourself. You chose what's best for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I feel like this is the age where you have to do a lot of that and it's mad hard. And usually the right choice is always the hardest one because yeah. it's the one that's like brings change and adversity. Mm-hmm. It's going to separate you from the crowd. Yeah, you got to pick what's good for yourself. Because if you just, you know, if you're just one of the sheep that just starts running with it, then you're going to fall in the trap with everybody else. You got to 
you know, make yeah. yourself stand out in whatever way. No, definitely. I saw this thing a couple of days ago with some video. It was like, sit down and like write down all the things. Not even write down, you can just think about it, but like pick out one thing that you're doing wrong and you know that you're doing wrong. And you're not going to like that answer, but like that's the first step you take in like fixing, not fixing yourself, but like improving yourself and being like the best version of yourself. It sounds corny and cliche, but it's, it's actually very, like I would say it's super true. And I, I would need to start doing that. And I think it worked, it would work well for anyone, even the most successful people. Yeah. I feel like having self accountability is a really, really important skill because without it, you can just keep feeding yourself the same bullshit story basically. Mm. But then once you finally sit down and get real with yourself, I feel like personally, even for me, when I started to get real with more real with myself, and that's still a growing process, it's something you probably never get perfect at. But once I started really reflecting and questioning what I was doing and why, that's when I became like a more uh, meaningful contributor to other people's lives and stuff. Bringing value. Yeah. Yep. Bringing value. Provide a fuck ton of value. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, so Matt, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, you're doing the data analytics. Are you doing data science, like coding, Python, and stuff? No, no, we have like our own data science department um, that we work with, and they just do they do a lot of stuff in uh, mainly Python is what they're using. And I have like you know very beginner experience in that section of it. Um, But yeah, we all we do is like we get companies to like send us like they send us data based on like the customers that they have. And then we create segments or like audiences is that we call them uh, that like group people into like one area. And so, then you just kind of do analysis, different types of analysis on those groupings. Exactly. So they run like regression models, you know, random, random forests, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just like group those people in those areas. And then from that, based on the models, we'll either do like an enrichment to it and we'll just like make it better. And we'll like drop off like the bottom half of, yeah, of, uh, filtering and different kind of things. Exactly, exactly. You make the data presentable? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah, I, when I you say story, you mean like you let the data tell a story with like a like a purpose of what it's trying to present? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So like the, the model will tell us like whatever the biggest factors are that are like plugging into how they fall into this category and like based on like, you know, previous transactions and stuff like that. Um, but I, I don't do a lot of that. That's like in the data science department. Yeah. A lot of what I'm doing now is just like data visualization. Like once they have the data prepped, I'll get the data and then I'll just make it like, it's kind of like business intelligence. What will you do? What language? Like, R? No, I'm using, I'm using, um, like a software? Uh, power B, power BI. Oh, power BI. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, visualization. No, that's yeah, which, is, which is dope. And like, I'm on a team of two. So it's like me and my boss and my boss is like, I don't know, maybe in like her, her fifties or something like that. Is so it like a chill relationship, her, like good working situation? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. There's only like maybe, I don't know, 75, 80 people in the company. Oh, cool. Um, but it's just me and her on the team and she is not like the tech savvy part of it. So like I got to do all the Excel work. But that means you have a purpose. And, you fit in. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like I did like my year in review and she was like, yeah, you're already like bringing like a lot of value. And I was just like, it's let's go. No, no one else, no one else knows how to do it, dude. Like it's wild. We love to see it. Yeah, bro. So like, she'll she'll like give me some work in like Excel, and it's literally like me doing like a V lookup 
or something yeah like that. or like I, a quick I, like sum and like some dude, mathematics yeah. to it yeah so I, I finish it in like 10 minutes and then i'll just like chill around for like 20 30 minutes and then like i'll send it back to her and she'll just be like oh my god like thank you for like such a timely response in that manner and i'm just like <laughs> Oh my god, that's good. <laughs> yeah, bro, it's it's crazy though. Like the stuff that they do at the company is actually like so cool. Cause like we have like development downstairs who like uses like all the API and stuff like that that like the other companies like send to us to actually get the data. And then once oh, it's like yeah, in yeah. the data hub, you can actually like access it and do all that kind of stuff. So like the company is like very connected team wise that like it's gotta go through a lot of people. Um, but it kind of has like a pipeline that it works through exactly and then you're the you're the end you're the finishing touches yeah bro i just make it look pretty and everyone's like like yeah you know it's so nice it's so nice that's sick no i'm happy for you i want everyone to have a job that they're happy in and they're happy with the compensation and we all we all get in a bag too yeah dude like i was working for mount sinai for nine months and it was it was all remote like i I met the people i worked with twice yeah and that was it. I, yeah, I was and trying and to get a second. Remote where yeah, dude, it's like kind of nice, but after a while, I'm just like sitting in my house all day. Like I sleep, yeah. eat, and work in, a, in I, the same area all the time. I did it for a while, and then I went back in the office. And going back in is definitely not better than working from home, though. Working from home has its cons, but I can do multiple things at once. Like if yeah. I have a free spot, I can be productive instead of just like you know going on my phone or looking up something. Yeah. You, you you start work at nine. You wake up at eight fifty five. You roll over, flip the computer on. You're golden. Yeah. Sometimes I I'll take like a meeting in the morning or something if it's early. I have like an early meeting with my team currently, so sometimes I'll hop on, take it, and then go and dip to work. Have uh have you talked about like what you do on this podcast before? I haven't heard. Yeah, yeah, but I can talk about it a little bit. So yeah, I'd love to hear. It. I think the last time we sat down and talked. That was when I was still in an engineering, like individual role. So I was doing basically like digital design. So electronic PCB boards, some of them, well, the ones my company make have a chip in it. And I would basically code what goes into that chip. We're short on chips now. Yeah. <laughs> chip. We did an episode on chips actually with Luca. Better Marco. Cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I did that for a little while and maybe like six months ago. I wanted to change up what I was doing. So I started doing like a supervisor kind of role and there's a team of four engineers and I basically overlook them and help them out and provide support as they need and stuff. That's unreal. So are, that's cool. are they doing like the same thing you did before? Or they, they were like doing, doing a similar type of thing, but okay. it, it's different in other ways. It's a little more cool. complex, but yeah. So you're able to that. just like lead them in the right path and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of program management and like budgeting presenting like statuses on the team and but then i i still have some projects that i do that are directly engineering what uh what programs are you using at this job it's more i'm actually making code changes and writing code in vhdl and verilog it's like a really low level hardware language only certain chips take that language actually um but yeah and then sometimes i'll read C++ code. Like I'll have to skim through it based on what I'm trying to understand. Didn't they make, didn't they make Fortnite on C++? Did they? I don't know. I think so. I, I, think that was the thing. I barely ever played that game, to be honest. Oh, Johnny boy, you missing out, dude. <laughs> you don't play a lot of video games. I just play 2K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit more before we get into anything that's financial or investing. Even if you don't know anything, you can ask some questions. But let's uh, talk a little bit more about the sports stuff. Do you feel like it, because Mike, you brought this up earlier when we were texting, and I wanted to make sure that we talked about this. Um, do you feel like it provided you, like I know we talked about the coaches not providing you connections, but yeah. do you feel like being involved in sports and those people that you had to meet, you feel like that gave you some connections or advantages in getting jobs? Um, or just connections in general? Yeah, definitely connections in general, especially, well, Northeastern had their co-op program. So that was big for me when trying to find jobs and internships before I graduated. Um, and I think a lot of employers like seeing the athlete on the resume because of what we were talking about earlier saying the morals it taught you. Yeah. Yeah. The morals is one big thing. And just like the schedule, the regiment, like just time management, responsibility, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And all of that. They like being able to know that people can balance like a workload and everything else going on in their life and just come to work every day and be able to do what they got to do. Um, so I think seeing that like a collegiate athlete on the resume definitely helped with everything. I feel like it um, also promotes like mental toughness <clears throat> or usually yeah. it's linked to that. Like you might yeah. be able to endure a little bit more cause. And uh, I know some people don't like it, but as much like as easy as it is, sports is just such an easy talking point for so many people, even if you didn't compete in athletics in college, like you can just go to someone talk about football, basketball. Um, I know for the job I have now, it definitely helps me just the fact that I played basketball in high school. And you know, Uh, the rules to sports and stuff, and you can easily get a game going and organize like even just that stuff, but not, uh, not basketball for Brewster, but you know, just like basketball, you know, playing, um, didn't you play JV? PYO, eighth grade chip? Yeah, yeah, you know, eighth grade champs, you know. Um, but one of my managers now is a coach at, I want to say Suffolk, D3. So when I was having my interview with him. Suffolk we were Community there. College or Suffolk, Massachusetts? Suffolk up in Boston. Oh, oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, and we were just like, you know, talking about basketball for probably five, ten minutes and just – my little like background in basketball helped me so much in that interview. And I think him just seeing the athletics part, like compelled me a little further in the process for sure. I feel like if you can just get that small talk going, yeah. you know, build a little bit of momentum in, uh, yeah. What is it called when you can build like a kind of conversational rapport. relation? Yeah. Rapport. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. what I was trying to look for. Uh, build that rapport then it def- there's definitely a higher percentage that they're going to try to pass you on. If they're like, yeah. oh, I like that kid and I could see myself. Because everyone now them. is becoming a little more like socially aware, I think, and they're looking more for that social aspect. So just being able to like have that spark as a person, being able to talk and just have a general conversation with somebody, yep. I think goes a very long way. Cause it's and what- athletics definitely helps with being able to build connections because you're just kind of thrown into a team and you're like all right you're a friend now we got to work together <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and i would say like what's underrated is like the your teammates because i would say 
a lot of my friends that were on the swim team at Tampa, I'm still in contact with. And a lot of them, I'm like, they're not all sport management majors. So they're finance, science, whatever it is. And like, I found that that's helped me a lot with just like picking their brains and maybe future connections or networks that I could get a job for with and like use them as leverage because like, that's something that I didn't expect to happen, but like, more so than the actual professors at a university or or like coaches on the team. It's like the people that are my age that are going through the same thing I'm going through that may be a little bit more accomplished or quicker on their feet is like something that I think has helped me and will help me down the line. Cause like if you can if you can network with the people that you already know, you already have that like close relationship where you're like yep. boys with someone. So like if they have a great job, like one of my friends works for Geico and he makes a lot of money. He knows a lot about NFTs. He has Binance. Like he knows all this stuff. He's and, into like, all the cutting edge. He's into all that. And like that stuff I don't know that much about, but he knows a lot about. So I can talk to him about it. Yeah, learn from him. It, help, yeah. it helps me. Yeah, like I learned from them about it. Well, I think that's a good way to look at it because instead of you know, like everyone's timing is different. So like you said, maybe they're a little bit farther along and you're still learning some things, but to have the humility to, you know, reach out to those people and go get advice and learn and use them as a tool while, you know, maintaining a, a solid relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like a lot of people, if they're in that situation, they'll be more willing to be like, nah, I don't want their help knowing that it's more like they don't want to admit that they need help. Yeah, it's a tough concept to like wrap your head around as to the fact that like some people are, you know, out making money doing all this kind of stuff. And if you're just not in the same position, you're going to look, not necessarily look down on yourself, but you're just going to be like, damn, like, why am I not doing that right now? Like, what is, what is different to, about it or whatever? I used to, I mean, I still am working on it, but back in the day, I used to compare myself a lot. And then I realized that I was wasting so much time comparing myself and overthinking that that was the reason why I wasn't getting where I wanted to be. Once I started just focusing on asking myself what I want and what's going to make me happy and then going all out towards those goals as much as possible, then that's when I started to see more growth, I feel like. Yeah, the only person you got to impress is yourself. Like, you got, like it sounds silly, but you yeah. have to compare you to you. Like to be the, your better version is like me versus me take. Mm-hmm. exactly that song <laughs> you take your past self and put it on a pedestal and be like look this is no, where i messed up and this is where i've excelled and i'm gonna use that as like a, a basis for making making money building relationships doing what you want to do and like living life why who wants to go work nine to five turn 65 then go somewhere warm and die like what <laughs> why is that why is that a thing Work, that work kind of rhymes. Work two days, like chill five instead of work five, chill two. It's That's why you gotta. Yeah, yo. You gotta build, yeah. like, uh, you know, get passive income producing assets, get a nice portfolio, make some good investment choices. I mean, there's so many ways to do it, but they all require risk. Yeah. And that's. I mean, once again, I'm, I'm going to shit on the system, but they teach you not to take risk. Yeah. You know, they teach you to put your money in a savings account and not get into any bad debt. Yeah. But they also tell you to buy a bunch of cool things. So that's a little contradictory. But, you know, 
they teach you to be conservative and not take risks when everyone knows that in order, if you want to get to that kind of point where you're not working a job and you could work in terms of just maintaining what's already going on, then you have to take risk initially. Yeah. I feel like I started being much happier when I started just, I don't know. I feel like I used to never take the risk. I used to always try to convince myself that it was fine to just do this, like keep going and not yeah, change the direction of where I'm going. And then I started being like, you know what? I only have one life. Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right? Like I, I yeah. got to get out of that. If you just lived in yeah. there, then that's where comfort zone is where dreams go to die. Yeah. You can't grow. Thing. Uh, that's why it's blank. Yeah. You should feel stressed to like a healthy extent, but you should feel a little stressed, especially at this age, like a little bit under pressure. There's a balance for sure. And sometimes yeah. even I go way too far with it, but I think a, like a healthy stress is a good way to say it. Just to grow and just feel uncomfortable, yeah. feel a little nervous, scared sometimes. Yeah. It's necessary. It's, it's like it's fully experiencing what you're afraid to experience, you know, just pushing that boundary. And even just like just day by day, you don't even have to do everything. Like not everything's going to happen instantaneously or like fucking 1% you know? better every day. Yeah. It's not going to be instant. It's a grind. You know, do you feel like because of being an athlete, you kind of learn because when you're in a competition, you definitely are feeling like heightened senses, like you're, you're on edge. I, you know, you feel a little bit like not necessarily scared, so it's different. But yeah. you know, there's like some pressure. Like human instinct. Yeah, you learn to be in that situation before, so then when you get to that situation again, yeah. whether it be in a different aspect of life, you kind of at least still know how to calm yourself down, focus on. What yeah. you, you know, I think of it. I wanted to talk about this earlier when Brian said it, but like. This is kind of time, like kind of tying into it. Uh, Brian was like, was balancing the athlete life and the life outside. You know, trying to get a job, becoming your own self, finding yourself, finding what you want to do, um, and just like when you're an athlete, you know, you train every day, and you can see results daily. Yeah, you can like feel different. Everything is happening so fast, like in front of your eyes. That's it. You go, you work out, you lift, and you're just seeing like an immediate reward. And that's realistically like not what goes on in the real world. You basically you know? are grinding with no result until one day it just starts popping off. Yeah. And I think I kind of realized after my third year of doing it, I was like, like Brian said, like, I'm not going to do this professionally. What am I going to do after this? And I remember I sat there in class one day after I stopped and everyone was like, oh, like we're doing some like kindergarten stuff, you know, like explaining who you are, all that jazz. And I couldn't say I was an athlete. And I was like, hmm. What do I say? You no, know, I was like, who what, am I? what do I say? <laughs> and it was just like, I sat there for, I like made up some bullshit. And I sat there for like five minutes afterwards, just like afterwards, just contemplating. I was like, what? Is going on right now bro i dead ass mm. the same thing happened to me and i dead ass yeah. told people i was a soundcloud rapper not a fucking soundcloud rapper I literally <laughs> yo, yo, yo. That. i'm not a swimmer i'm a soundcloud rapper <laughs> like, oh wait i wanted to bring up the fact that you said while mike was talking you were like who am i and i yeah, feel like yeah. that has, that also comes back into because when you become a high level athlete 
they literally only care about you being an athlete. I'm an, yeah. I'm, and yeah. they just make your identity being an athlete. That's all you know, that you breathe, sleep, dream athlete. Like, Yeah, for those like three years it was. And then all I of a sudden was... they cut, pull the plug or like, you know, yeah. then you don't become as useful as you once had the potential to be in their eyes. Like they set these unrealistic standards and then yeah. they just don't, they throw you to the curve. Like, yeah, you lack purpose. Like you're, you had so much purpose. Like for so long I was like, yeah, I'm a Hoosier or I'm a Spartan at Tampa. Yeah. Like, I'm this, I'm on the swim team. I'm, that was a part of my identity. And now it's like, Literally, yeah, I'm, I'm Brian. I live at home that, with my yeah. parents and shit. <laughs> like <laughs> I coach swimming and that's yeah. about it. Uh, I was going to say yeah. that same yeah. thing. Like when I was there, like I was a Northeastern track runner for three years. And then it was like, I stopped and I was like, all right, like I'm a psychology major. What's good. And then I was like trying to blend in to that, not even blend in, but just like start to live that normal everyday life. And I found myself having so much free time and I was like, what do I do? Facts. Really for the first like year and a half, I sat there like a like a bum, bro. And just did nothing. And I was like, you know, you had to get adjusted. I had to do wasn't like working out or anything. And I was just like, damn, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And then it was like for the next couple of years just figuring out what I wanted to do. So also what we just talked about after when it stopped, for sure. Like getting like getting out of your comfort zone. You've been an athlete for this long. And now yeah. you like disassociate yourself with it, and it's exactly what you're saying. You're just like, "Who am I?" Yeah. Now so I gotta go find it out it. because my mom was like pressing me too about finding work, and I was like, "I, d- I don't even I know who I am anymore." <laughs> <laughs> For real, I was like a year ago. I was thinking about how fast I was gonna run on my track meet next Saturday with like no other care in the world. Now I'm like trying to think about where I'm gonna be working in like the next two weeks so I can pay rent. It's actually crazy how prioritization of like how your mind prioritizes different things yeah. has an effect on how you perceive reality. Yeah. Like you were going through the same life with school, but because track was your thing, your fastest time or running a fast time was your main priority. But then once that priority went away, then you another one had to fill its place. Yeah. It was like... Everyone has one main priority that they're focusing on. Yeah. But then there are smaller ones, but everyone has that main one that's like You got an angle. They're guiding you star. What that's what want. guides you to get where you want to go. Yeah. You know what you want and you've been building up all the steps that you have to take in order to get there. And then one day I was like, nah, I'm not going there anymore. And then I had to like, you know, build some new steps somewhere else. It was it was weird. Yeah. I feel like it was a good experience though. For sure. Definitely helped you grow. It's a no long process, I think. No and it's like it's a never ending process of just growing and self development. Yeah, the whole the whole thing is just the constant commitment to the process, like to that yeah. con- to that incremental improvement. Yeah. I guess. But uh all right, do you guys want to say anything more about the sports? Because I wanted to bring in a little bit of uh investing, finances, anything like that. We could chat it up. You guys can ask questions. I, Matt, I feel like, are you into that at all? Yeah, big time, dude. Love it. Brian, Mike, nah, what's your experience level? Like how, how you, because you can ask um, us questions and we can just. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would I mean, definitely have a lot of questions because I don't, I don't know a lot about that. I try to like get it. I'm like trying 
and been trying. Like Matt and I have had so many conversations since we're both in Brewster, like still hanging out every like every week, and it's just like the same thing is like, oh, I've Coinbase, Bitcoin, like Cash App, using the trade stuff, or like Binance, trying to get into that. And now there's like NFTs. Like I, I know like what they are, but yeah. I don't know like how to approach it or like how to attack it in the way that it would like get me some returns or like, it'd yeah. be, like worth that time and investment, like putting my money into something. For sure. like that. Yeah, it's like a commitment because it the learning curve is so long. But then once you really start to understand the foundations, you can pick up new things and understand like, all right, this is a different type of asset class, but I can kind of quickly pick up how it moves and things like that. But I mean, so you're saying Coinbase, uh, NFT, like, so you're kind of like the major terms is like, you know, like Coinbase and those kind of like Binance and all those where you would buy and could sell different cryptocurrencies or even in the stock market where you would buy and sell, uh, that would be an exchange. So that's like, uh, you know, where you would go to, they have a liquidity pool and then you can make transactions and different types of assets, but usually only tradable ones. Um, can you explain yeah. what NFTs are? Yeah, we actually did. I know they're semi new and they've been around for honestly years, but they yeah. only got big the past couple of years. Okay. I was, I didn't even know about them earlier, but I saw some posts on Instagram of OBJ wearing an NFT shirt. And I said he bought the NFT for like 2.1 million. And I was like, what? And then okay. at that point I was like, I'm lost, bro. I'm not going to try to catch up. Like, <laughs> you kind of need to so. understand the how the blockchain works because yeah. it's basically digital art that is registered on the blockchain. Okay. So, so it's, it's the same way you would have like a physical like certificate of you saying that you own this piece of art or whatever yeah. but it's just digitized yeah all right but why is that why is that happening on the blockchain like, what is the blockchain yeah but why is that like valuable you know like, We're in a like world well, baby no but like i get it's like the flow of money and like there's a money cycle the potential of yeah potential and like people like put their money into it because it's popular so that's what makes it money in the end but like why like how did it become so valuable just because okay. it was attention and popularity or like, yeah i mean is there more to that like i don't know if there's like if you guys can elaborate i mean it's basically because it's so new and because it's so similar to art and you know you can see how things are valued in art like you said it's just based on demand of what people think it is valued but uh holy shit i lost my train of thought um <laughs> there's also just like the way that there's like a bunch of collectibles and like some nfts are like more rare than others but of course that's just up to like other people's opinions as to how rare they are or whatever like collectible like like category might be in or whatever you're also kind of buying into the promise of what you know like all these ideas kind of get jumbled into one even though they're they're separate but like blockchain metaverse web 3 by being involved in the NFT surge, you're kind of just joining what the idea of this whole thing could become, what it could become. Like the market cap of cryptocurrencies right now is like between two and three trillion. 
the stock market is like 50 trillion and that's only one asset class of stocks then there's still multiple asset classes of you know real estate private businesses things like that so the growth potential for cryptocurrency is like so like we're still there's still so much room to grow i mean yes this is kind of what happens when a new thing comes out but a lot of the nfts probably won't be worth much when it's said and done but there will be pieces just like fine art that are going to be worth a shit ton of money even more than what people are paying for them now like the mona lisa you got one of one yeah Uh, but it's just gonna be like an nft one one and you're going to have that digital certificate that says that, like, like Mike Delphay owns this piece of digital, yeah, this digital asset. you guys understand how blockchain, like, verifies something or no? Does it, like, I, I, mean, I, took, a, I took a class on it, like, senior year, and we kind of just, like, walked through it in a sense. It, yeah. it, it, was, it was only Bitcoin that we had, like, okay. go through. Yep. I guess Doesn't we have to, like, go through all the checks. And like check each blockchain and make Super sure it's concept, like all that. valid and stuff. So yeah, a blockchain is a data structure. So it's just a way of forming the data. You know, like you can form them in arrays or like matrix matrices. You can hold data that way, but you can also hold it in. Like this is kind of more in a coding aspect, but you can yeah, like a linked list, a hash graph. Uh, one of them is a blockchain. So basically, each block is chained together. You know, they're just con- consecutive numbers, but yep. there's like two ways to verify. Well, basically all you're verifying is in each block, a certain number of transactions, verifications and exchanges, you know, like all the, those types of things. Uh, those are what are being verified and they're verified in two ways. One being proof of work, which is when you consider Bitcoin mining, Ethereum mining. And that's mm-hmm. just when you have a, usually like a processing unit, like a chip that just solves really complex mathematical equations. And the first one to solve it gets rewarded with the block reward, which is like in tokens. But then the second is proof of stake, which is basically means you're staking something, which you can kind of infer what that means, but you're giving up a certain amount of that coin. And that's like, here, you can trust me because I'm giving you all this. And then you're a verified member. Like, and then you, you would be, randomly selected as a node to verify transactions with your computer. Such a wild concept. So by actually doing that, like you're actually verifying something and it's then getting registered on the chain. And that chain is, you know, code running. So Brian, if like I sent you $10 or whatever, there would be people out there that like do the mining or whatever it's called. And they make sure that I have $10 in my account. And I can give that money to you and it goes right into your wallet that you can receive it. Yeah. And they just like make sure that that transaction is like solidified or verified and like correct. Yeah. One of my friends uh, told me, uh, actually one of my Tampa friends who's like very, who works at Geico, this kid, he told me about like the Bitcoin, like national pizza day on Bitcoin. And it's like the story behind it is. Oh yeah, decade ago or however long ago, like some person like didn't have cash or whatever money, so they like paid for their pizza that they ordered for this party with Bitcoin through Reddit. They made the transaction, yeah, yeah, and like now, like that Bitcoin's value now basically that they pay like a couple million for a couple pizzas. Yep, because of how like how like 
ex- how uh, what's it called popular, but also like the value of Bitcoin used to be a couple hundred dollars, and now it's like what like forty something thousand dollars for one Bitcoin. So it's like, well, I think yeah, when he did that, it was like he had ten thousand, so it was like a cent, you know, or less yeah, for right. a pizza, like. So he literally was. How much money is that? That's a couple million. He missed out on multiple millions. Yeah, no. Yeah, I would be beside <laughs> myself. I'd be so mad right now. If did this guy bought purchased a pair of yes, good ass pizza, bro. The thing is, a you- pair of Papa John pizzas using ten thousand bitcoins, which would be priced at three point eight billion. Oh <laughs> wow! We're not talking no. M's. We're talking B's. What follow up questions do you have to that? I mean, like, what, what's your, like, purpose? Like, what do you, if you want to actually get to a point where you could work a few days and not have to work a job, or, like, even if it's working constant, a little, like, full-time, but it's something of your own and something you like, that basically involves you getting involved in, you know, some type of asset class, whether that be real estate or, like, trading or, yeah you know, private equity fun. or... um Honestly, I think... Out of the routes that you just said, I'd probably go real estate just because I have some type of experience, not even in real estate, but in like home redevelopment with some work that I've done. Um, So definitely probably that route. There's the Burr method. Yeah. Buy, rent, refinance, or buy, renovate, rent, refinance, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my dream. No, actually, I don't know, but I feel like it'd be cool. You ever seen those shows of like the real estate where they flip houses and stuff? Yeah. I'd love to have one of those. You ever seen Treehouse Masters? Love it or list it? Yeah, that guy's a savage. Treehouse Masters do some real estate stuff like that. They have like the bar. There's like that new show. It's like Bar Wars where they're like neighborhood friends both get like a bar and like vibe environment installed in their house and like... And, like, it doesn't really have to do with, like, selling it or anything. It's kind of more for entertainment and, like, comedy. It's, like, just it's building like cool bars? Movie. Yeah. pretty much. In the house? In the crib? Yeah. Like, yeah. outdoor bars or indoor bars. Honestly, I feel like you could definitely go just one direction or not. Yeah. But, Matt, let me know if you agree. Uh, it would be more beneficial and like long run create much more wealth if you get involved in multiple, like say you want to use like there's active income and passive income. So maybe you want to use your active income as being flipping houses and your current job, but then you would save money up from doing those things. And then you would buy maybe a real estate property that would buy you, you know, you'd get a thousand dollars of passive income from rent after like full net income after expenses and mortgage. But then at the same time, maybe you want to start saving all three of those incomes, the passive and the two actives. And then you want to build a small like stock portfolio or a dividend portfolio. And then also another one for maybe some crypto and maybe you buy some yeah. gold and silver. And then like it gets complicated and you can go as deep as you want with it. But I feel like it's definitely important to have like at least two, at least more than one source yeah. of income. I got to take that first step in. Yeah, it, it's, it's a long process. It, like yeah. like learning how to invest or get involved in crypto, it's a long learning curve. But then when you really get it, and then by the time you start, you're having real money and you're saving and investing, and you get things are starting to roll, then the momentum only builds faster and faster. Yeah. Then you got money, extra money to be investing all the time, and you're experimenting with new things. Maybe you lose some money, but 
you figured out, oh, I can tweak this, and now you have like another side passive income. I don't know. So, yeah, just, that's usually the life of most people that don't work. Like that's kind of their yeah. life. They just balance different assets, manage their money, and run businesses. Let, let the fun. money come to them. Yeah, they don't chase money. They yeah. attract money. Yeah, the only thing is like you you gotta like you gotta do something in a way that like you make money in your sleep. Yep. So like you're not doing anything. There's no action being taken by you, but like money is still coming in. But like the first step of that actually being possible is taking action. And like just doing Taking risk, literally being uncomfortable. anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Well, yeah, that's why like I've been constantly, I've been trying to push myself to just try things even if I fail them. Yeah. That, like you, not, you said it was got to get one thing to work and then it, it launches you. That's why I've been trying a bunch of stuff. You, you said just, it was like, like, a, like a long. Said? Go ahead, bro. I was just going to say, because like what you said, John, was like when you try stuff and even if you fail at it, that, it doesn't mean you don't get anything from it. Like you still learn something about that endeavor. Yeah. I feel like that's also like a bad thing they do when we're growing up. They kind of tell you that if it doesn't work out, it's a failure. But in reality, it's really not. Like we call it that because that's what we were taught. But it's just a. It didn't work out as planned. Yeah, and you there's uh, other lessons to take from it, and it's a learning experience. Like that Einstein quote: "Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fail. I just learned like ten thousand ways that didn't work. Like you just gotta like keep going. Yeah, as long as long as you keep trying, do something. Gotta spin it the right way at some point. That's a big thing I've been trying to push with the kids that. I'm working with too, like my students that, you know, failing is a good thing and you learn and it's really hard. I get, when you're younger, you I feel like you just can't you're hard on yourself. grasp the concept. And also like when you're in school, it's a little different now, but like when you were in school, it was always like when you got that failing grade or something, like it was just like the end of the world. I used to be like, so they used like, to make you feel like your life was going to be over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I would say great. too, I agree. Cause like, as a coach now is, and I know this is like one of the topics coming in when we talked about this a week ago, coming on the podcast is like leveraging our knowledge from being athletes or whatever we've been like, we were students. So like Mike, you could be teaching your kids like a certain way because you did it th- the wrong way when you were a kid. So you want to teach it in the way that they'll understand. So they don't have to go through yeah. that failure, but that doesn't mean they're not going to fail. They're find their own ways to fail. But like yeah. as a coach, I try and teach my swimmers like, like do this, do that, because like if you don't, then it might make you feel some type of way. You might make you feel like down on yourself or but like the well, bottom line is uh, something I reiterate is like it's okay. like in a set. If you're doing like 10 100s freestyle on short interval, like where you're not getting that much rest and you miss the interval and you like come in and you're going way too slow for what like you should be going like. As long as you put in a good effort, it's okay to fail because now you have a base because next time we do 10 100s in the two weeks, if you can make seven and the first time you only made four, then like yeah. you can see the results. That's literally like the results. And it's like you always have to tell them and tell yourself it's okay to fail. Like where you, this whole conversation is going is like yeah. it's okay to fail because like it only makes you stronger. And like you think, you think Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, all these people that have never mm-hmm. like – like did the normal route like they didn't fail no like they, they, they freaking amazon the, started in a garage bro it was a book company and now look at it some of the what? people that ended up you know quote unquote making it whatever that means or them reaching their goals 
you know, some of them, it didn't happen until they were in the latter half of their life. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're young and we're trying to chase after our dreams and goals now, which is really good. But, you know, we might fail for another, it could be one year, it could be five years, it could be 10, it could be even 20. But yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I definitely at times feel more stressed or more anxious or, you know, feel like things aren't working out, but I feel the most fulfilled and like whole when I'm constantly chasing that. Like maybe when I was in college and I didn't really have full direction, I just knew I wanted to be an engineer at one point and I didn't really have to worry about that too much at the time because I was just going through school. But, uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like the whole, success thing is like a little fabricated in its own sense too because like if you're if you're grinding your life and like slaving away all these hours just like working and working and making money and you're doing well and everything and that's cool but like if you're not enjoying it and you're not happy with like the one life that you're just trying to live like is it really that much of a success that you're trying to do like you just got to be you know fulfilled with with whatever you're doing yeah just john what you said to be motivated and passionate about just just get after something that like means something to you not just artificially grinding because yeah. that's not healthy but yeah brian my bad no yeah no you're good what what you said uh is like everyone has their own like version of success like their own definition of success so like there could be people who grew up with money that are like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna start a business like my grandfather my father did and it's gonna be multi-billion dollar business or million whatever it is that's their peak and that's their end goal be all whatever but like for some other people it's like say you grew up in the hood like their version of success is like buying a house and like just having a family that that's successful it doesn't have to just be financial yep it could be like a great relationship is successful or like everyone's different like you literally yeah everyone's different like i would say for instance quick like my dad is like grew up in the bronx like whatever rough childhood upbringing he's he feels so much success He's a teacher, but like to people nowadays, oh, teacher, oh, that only makes a certain amount of money. But not, like that's his version of You're success. You're also carving the youth. So I, I feel like yeah. teachers, one, they deserve much higher compensation. Yeah. But yeah. two, they have such a huge yeah. influence on the world. Like we need to make sure that we're getting the right people in. I mean, your dad is the right people. He's he's good vibes. But I'm it's still rewarding in that thing, too. Yeah, Mike, you could, you could speak a lot about that. What was that? About what? I just said you could speak a lot about that. Like it's so rewarding actually being able to like influence like the younger generation oh yeah i mean just i was literally just watching some criminal minds episode and one of the they always have their cheesy quotes but one of the quotes is like uh kids are like some or children are like wet cement whatever falls on it makes an imprint i think that's what it was and it's just so true like anything anything that you say to these kids they're like sponges i like they just soak it up and they remember anything that you say to them. Good or like bad. A little example, like one of my kids was, I don't know if we were playing this game, Fishy Fishy Cross My Ocean. And you got two taggers and kids got to try to cross without getting tagged. And I told one of the kids that they could be a tagger next week, like Friday to Monday. And I completely forgot over the weekend. First kid that comes up to me at recess on Monday was like, yo, Coach Mike, like, I'm the tagger today. I was like, that man has been thinking about that all weekend. That was on his mind, yo. He's sitting down eating dinner like, yo, I'm going to be fishy, fishy, like tagger on Monday. And I was like, that right there just made me stop and think and be like, damn, like 
everything I'm teaching these kids, everything that's coming out of my mouth, they are like intently listening to. And it just makes you stop and sit and think about like, damn, like this is our future. And I'm shaping some of their thought processes right now. And it's crazy to think about. So yes, I think teachers are definitely underpaid. Just because when I come back from work at the end of the day, I feel like I ran like a marathon every You're day. You're tired, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, bro. Like a marathon. It's nuts. Mike doesn't have unlimited energy like he used to. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you used to pick up any sport and just play it better than anyone else around. <laughs> I still do that, you know. <laughs> Little kids be... Not ball anymore, bro. They come up to me at the playground. They're like, Coach Mike, you trying to like losing basketball i'm like you don't even know man <laughs> you don't know what i was seven time rec champion still do, it. still do it but uh yeah is there any other questions or things you want to bring up or talk about before we wrap it up it's been mad long i mean i'll cut some spots out but uh, Dude, r.i.p john madden baby yeah. Gotta say it. John Madden. I spent baby half baby. my life playing Madden, so like that hit that yeah. hit, that hit me, hit me hard. That was like when Kobe died. And Bob Saget, R.I.P. Bob Saget. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. Wow. There's a lot of people, but well, that's really good one. Honestly, then uh, he played Entourage, a really good role there. Bob Saget. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, we could wrap it up then. All right. You guys got nothing. Hell yeah, bro. Thank you, Thank you. so yeah, much for coming thanks. on. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having us, JP. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, looking, so looking forward to be back soon. Yeah, you Sorry. guys can come on whenever we come up with some new topics. We'll run it. All right, guys. You know, thanks for joining us this episode. I think it was a good one. Make sure to leave uh, you know, some feedback for us, likes and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, and we have TikTok at black box podcast no a in the black except for the tiktok that is what <laughs> that, that's gonna be like our new thing except for tiktok all right <laughs> hopefully you guys enjoyed this one see you next time peace